So we're talking Pentecost and beyond. Uh, want to just give a quick shout out to my mom. This has happened to be the, the two years in a row. My mom's been here and I got to preach on Mother's Day. So, uh, And it just so happens we're talking about prayer. Uh, the Holy Spirit and prayer. Uh, my mom is a is one who prays. Uh, I, I came to this church eight years ago and in getting to know people, uh, got to know Annette Olson, and she's like, oh, yeah, I prayed with your mom at Central for many years. Uh, got to know people here and there in different places, and my mom uh, loves prayer. Uh, and, and that prayer life uh, came from her mom. Uh, one of the – sorry. One of the uh, – this is this is Grandma Lillian. Uh, Grandma Lillian, uh, right before she passed away, uh, I got to spend some time with her. Um, got to spend some time with her, and uh, in in spending time with Grandma and Grandpa, she said, "Would you like to get up with me in the morning for prayer?" I said, "Sure." Um, felt like I took a little nap, and there was Grandma waking me up. <coughs> And Grandma, uh, got to go into the throne room with my grandma. <laughs> I got to go be with Jesus, with my grandma. My grandma's prayer life, it was not anything crazy. It was not anything spectacular. It was not anything uh, screaming and yelling. Grandma just took the word of God. She took a list of the family and just began to declare the, the truth of God's word over, over family. We came to her funeral. It was one of the largest events in Cyrus, Minnesota's history. <clears throat> Grandma at her funeral, it was like seeing the impact, this life of prayer and the impact she had and the impact she had on her family and the impact. She would pray over the marriages. She would pray over the... At her, at her funeral, her whole entire family got to stand up and say, we have a relationship with Jesus because of her. Her entire family... I remember hearing Grandma talk about at one of her big birthday parties and talking about my dream is for my family to serve Jesus. Uh, so just that's the legacy I get to be a part of. That's the legacy of Grandma gets to just... There, there's some, some other marking moments in my life where uh, prayer became real. There's some other marking moments in my life where you know I was, I was with Gran Grandma in her throne room I was with her in a time where she's meeting with Jesus. There was other times where I was in Caracas, Venezuela with a team of 23 young adults and all of a sudden uh, hell bro broke loose and it was like the, the girl was up on the microphone like, let me tell you about the love of Jesus. And, um, and I looked around and not a single person was listening and there was all kinds of chaos and I, just, I remember getting up and saying, I just get up in front of the church, I grabbed the mic from her, I said, I think there's some 
we just need to pray. And as soon as I said it, it was like war. As soon as I said it, it was two hours of intercession, two hours of praying, two uh, intense prayer like I've never experienced before, uh, two hours of, whoa. Anybody ever experienced a prayer, prayer time like that? Pentecost? Where it was like, here, I, I, the, these marking moments in my own life where I, I got to meet with Jesus with my grandma. Another marking moment was in Venezuela when God showed up. And there was, there was a moment in that, in that place and in that time where it was like, I cannot deny the existence of Jesus. I cannot deny the work of the Holy Spirit. I cannot deny what God is doing. I cannot, I, you can't, can't be in that atmosphere. And just turns out that in the middle of everything going on, there was four witches sitting in the back. They drug out and began to do deliverance, and they came back in, delivered, set free. Uh, we had one one guy was with us who uh, who got saved at that prayer meeting, and he's serving the nations now because of it. He's given his life to China because he got saved at a prayer meeting. I brought an unsaved kid on a, on a mission trip with me because I saw the call of God on his life. It was a marking moment. Uh, I want to just share a quick, quick video with you. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. So in this scene, this is from a movie called Hook. Uh, that's Peter Pan. Uh, if you guys know the story of Peter Pan, Peter Pan uh, was in this place called Never Never Land. Uh, and in Never Never Land, you never grow up, right? You never, never grow old in Never Never Land. You get to be a kid forever. Uh, and Peter, Peter Pan was in Never Never Land and somehow got out of Never Never Land. And uh, in this... Uh, this this version of it, uh, Robin Williams, who plays Peter Pan, ends up uh, going to be a businessman. He gives uh, he he has no time for his family, no time for anything. He he's he's grown up. Leave me alone. And this is him going back, uh, 
over some circumstances. He gets back to Never Neverland, and there these, these kids are playing with his face. I'm like, oh, there you are, Peter. There you are. And you see the other kids like, there he is. Woo! Uh, this is the way I picture the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, there is something that the Holy Spirit does in our life and in our heart where suddenly we recognize who, we is, who Jesus is. Suddenly we recognize who the Father is. Some way, some, suddenly we recognize what, who the Father's love. Suddenly we recognize the beauty of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want... <coughs> Excuse me. When I recognize the beauty of Jesus, I want others to see that. I see, see those other kids come running. Oh, it's Peter. I want to see, when I see the beauty of Jesus, when I get to see his face, when it, he's all that matters and nothing else matters, and I want other people, I want, other, I want our youth to see that. I want our youth to be enamored with the beauty of Jesus. I want our youth to know the heart of God. I want our youth to know. Spirit reveals who Jesus is. Sorry, I'm trying to get through this. Here we go. There's Grandma. That's uh, Grandpa James, too. I don't want to leave him out. He was a good guy. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. Jesus is not interested in what everybody else says about Jesus. What does everybody else think about him? What do other religions think about him? What does everyone else in your church think about him? Jesus makes it more personal. I, I, don't care, I don't care what the world thinks I am. I don't care what other religions think I am. I don't care what you're... I, I don't care what... Who do you say that I am? It's a personal question. It's a personal thing. It's a personal... Because it's, it comes out of a place of relationship and it's got to come out of a place of... The Holy Spirit wants to draw you to the place of Jesus. He wants to draw you in. He wants you to, you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. He wants you to know your Father. He wants to, and, and he wants it to be a personal thing, not a, oh yeah, that was a really cool Holy Spirit moment we had at church. But who, what, what was it about you? What is about your heart, your relationship with Jesus? Not everybody else, not the world, not anybody else around you. What is your relationship to Jesus? Who do you say that I am? In answering that question, the more revelation of Jesus you have, the more revelation of who he is, it's going to affect your prayer life. If you don't see Jesus as a healer, you're not going to pray for healing. Hello? If you don't see Jesus... As a deliverer, you're not going to pray for deliverance. You don't see him bringing salvation. You're not going to pray for salvation. The revelation of Jesus, the revelation of who he is, affects your prayer life. 
And part of the revelation, the revelation bringer is the Holy Spirit. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is bring revelation of who Jesus is into our life. Uh, So he says, "Who, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this is, was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that, that, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Who do you say that I am? Say you're 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 Christ. You're the Messiah. That's right, Peter. I'm going to build my church. The foundation of my church is going to be built on that very that very thing. Foundation of my church. You see where he, he kind of changes languages to prayer. The gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. And then he says, "Whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. Whatever bound on earth, be bound in heaven." He talks about there, there's. Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke 10, at this time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Uh, we picture Jesus as kind of like very matter-of-fact, chill, I'm not playing games with you. Uh, but here he's full of joy of the Holy Spirit. said, I praise you, Father, Lord in heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what, what you were pleased to do. You were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the, the, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses he re, to reveal to him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes, because you see because you, you see what you see. For I tell you, many, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Many people wanted to see what you see, wanted to have the revelation you have. But you have a unique revelation. Because you have that unique revelation, your eyes are blessed. You're blessed because you've received that revelation of who Jesus is. Right? And and Jesus is, here he's talking about, uh, you've seen the Father, you've seen me, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's interesting, he's taken that you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I'm going away so that someone better can come, and then the the revealer of who I am can come, the revealer of the Father can come, uh, and and he's kind of playing with, with the, you see Jesus, you see the Father, you see the Father, you see Jesus, you see, and then all of a sudden he throws us in the middle of it. Wait a second. What? First Corinthians two. There's a lot here, so this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but God's power. 
We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom that of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God is destined for, for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the, the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but by words taught with the Spirit expressing spiritual truth and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he, may, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Uh, all throughout, there's several passages where Paul... Several passages where Paul talked about the mysteries of God. He talked the mystery of, of the mysteries of God and talking about knowing and understanding more and more revelation and how the, the who can know the mind of the mind of God? Who can know the, who can understand him? Who can understand his ways? You can. How do we know God's thoughts? How do we know God's ways? How do we understand his ways? How do you know See, the, the, the world even says stuff, God works in mysterious ways. The world says that. You guys have heard it, right? God works in mysterious ways. You guys have thought no one can understand the heart and mind of God, right? You, you can't understand. You, yes, there, he is inexhaustible. We can't know everything there is to know about him. And, and he, there's always more to know and always more, to, more revelation to get, more understanding under, to get. But... There, you can know the mind of God. You can know the heart of God. It says right there. We have the mind of Christ. You can't understand the way God thinks. Yes, you can. I'm telling you, as you get to know the heart and the mind of God, and as you get to know and understand who He is, as the Holy Spirit brings revelation of that, as the Holy Spirit brings revelation of that, we, we begin to... Know and understand who he is more and more. We under, know and understand the way, his ways more and more, and we get to express that to other people. We get to express the mind and the heart of God. We, we, we can talk about it in prophetic, prophetic terms. It's a prophecy, and really it's just grabbing a hold of the mind of God and giving it to somebody. My Bible says that his, his thoughts toward you outnumber the grains of sand. Can I grab hold of some of that sand and give it to you? I want, I want you to know the, the mind and the heart of God. Uh, and yes, people mess that up, and we uh, say things we're not supposed to, we do things we're not supposed to, we offend each other, we, we do things that are not in, in line with the heart of God. But 
That's part of what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to convict, right? Uh, Just for the sake of time, you go ahead and read John 14 through 16. It talks about, uh, it's basically Jesus saying, I'm I'm sending somebody who's going to, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And in John 14 through 16, he gives uh, several, basically the Holy Spirit's, for lack of a better word, job description. Uh, and, and this is what he says. He's your advocate. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's your teacher. He gives revelation. He brings conviction of sin. He's the spirit of truth. Right? That's who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus, the words in red. Jesus is the one that, that gave those descriptors. And he said, I'm going away so somebody, something better can come. Now, if I'm one of the disciples and I'm hanging out with Jesus and I'm seeing the dead raised, and I'm seeing blind eyes opened, and I'm seeing a demonic set free, and I'm seeing all kinds of signs and wonders, and he's feeding 5,000 people, and he's walking on water and telling the wind and waves to be still, and he's, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm hanging out with Jesus, and he says, I'm going away so something better can come. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like... Uh, really? And several times Jesus talks about your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. You'll get this sometime. You're going to get this. This is going to make sense to you. But I'm going away so something better can come. Uh, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. I'm going to put I'm going to take from you your heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. What, what do you think of when you think somebody that's hard-hearted? What do you think of? Anybody? Stubborn. What else? How, how do we in our own life get hard-hearted? Cynical. Ooh. You can hear about somebody saying something about prayer and prayer works. You're already cynical about it. Oh yeah, you got healed of a headache. Great. That's awesome. Cynicism, right? How else? How else do we get hard-hearted? What does it look like? How does it manifest itself in our life? What's that? Hurt. Yep. How else? Bitter. Unforgiving. Isolating. We don't care about others. Greedy, depressed. But it says in Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to give you a new heart. See, up until this point, the, the Holy Spirit only came on certain people at certain times to accomplish certain things. The Holy Spirit was kind of a concept that they saw when the Holy Spirit came, it was something miraculous, it was something uh, amazing. They didn't see the, the, 
the, the, the heart working of the Holy Spirit. They didn't see the, the, the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. They didn't see the... And, and all of a sudden, he comes along and he says, the Holy Spirit's not just going to be for certain people at certain times to accomplish certain things, but the Holy Spirit's going to come in you and give you a new life and a new heart. Um, he's going to give you a new spirit. He's going to give you something new. He's going to take your heart of stone, your heart that doesn't care about others, your heart that's stubborn, your heart that, that is immovable, and he's going to give you a heart of flesh, a heart that cares for people, a heart that has the heart of Jesus. Right? And Joel, Joel comes along and he says, my spirit is not just going to be for certain people, but it's going to be for everybody. Spirit's going to be for your sons and daughters, your old and young, even on your servants. It's going to be for everybody. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. You fit into any of those categories? How do we become hard hearted? How do, any, any ideas how we become hard-hearted? Here, well, I'll just give you a couple here. Uh, other loves. Other lovers. We become hard-hearted when we, when we give our love and, and time and affection to something else other than Jesus. I can tell what you love by the, what you talk about. I can tell what you love by looking at your bank account. I can tell what you love by what you give your time and energy and affection to. When other lovers come in the way of our love for Jesus, there's something that happens that we begin to get hard-hearted. We talked about in youth group the whatever attitude. We talk about whatever. Oh, okay, Mom, I'll do that, whatever. Hey, honor your mom today, guys. Oh, whatever. That whatever attitude, actually unchecked, turns into a whatever attitude. I don't want to hear it. When the whatever attitude is left unchecked, we become hard-hearted and we say, whatever, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear you. I, don't want, I, I did church. I did that thing once. I don't want to hear about it. When that whatever attitude will cause stone, stony heart, will cause the stubbornness, will cause the whatever attitude. Lack of investment. You know, everybody ever gone back and looked at your high school yearbook? I'm gonna about to celebrate my 20 year high school reunion next year. Uh, I went back and looked at my high school yearbook. You look at some of those pictures in there, like you're. Oh, let's keep in touch. You're the best. Blah blah blah. blah. Life's so great. Blah. And then I ran into one of them recently, and I was like, I know him from somewhere. <laughs> or you see him, and you're like, what's their name? Shoot. Oh. Unfamiliarity. When you stop investing, and you stop spending time together, when you stop hanging out together and being together, your love's going to grow cold. Your love's going to go d- distant. Do we have any married people here today? Stand up if you're married. 
Anybody want to be married? Okay. Any newlyweds? Any newlyweds in the house? You've been married a year or less? Okay. Anybody uh, five years or less? Hey, there's a couple. There's some back there. Yeah. All right, go sit down. You, no, no, not everybody. Just, just them. Okay, ten years. Ten years, anybody? Wow, you guys, this is awesome. A couple back there. All right. Go ahead and sit down, you, you guys. Look at this. This is, this is amazing. Ten years or more. Uh, sorry, Sylvan. Uh, 15 years. This is where I would be sitting down. Anybody 15 years or, or, or less? Hey, good, 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 good. All right, awesome. 20 years. Oh, wow. This is awesome. Look at this. 20 years or more. Uh, 25. Tom, we might need you to like auction stuff here. 25? Do I got 25? 30? 30? 30 years or more? Go ahead and sit down. Wow. 35? 35 or less? Wow. This is amazing. Some of you got married at really young age. Where are we at? 35? 40? 40? Wow. 45? 45? 50? Wow, they're duking it out here. <laughs> that is amazing. 60? Oh, yes! Wait, all those, 50, all those 50 people stand up again. I'm sorry, can you hear me? <laughs> so, 50, 51. 52. Oh, wow. 53. 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, oh wow. How long has it been? 59. Wow. That's awesome. 59 years. I you know 59 years? It's not just fuzzy feelings. <clears throat> I, 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 I'm really quite amazed at how, how long marriage has been here. I, I think it's awesome. But I, let me tell you, lack of investment, if I stop spending time with my wife, 
If I stop spending time with her, I stop investing in her, what's going to happen? If I have other lovers, hey, honey, I know you're laid up in bed, but I'm bringing somebody else home this week. (laughs) What's that going to do to her heart? Jesus said in Matthew 24, the love of most. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about wars and rumors of wars and things going on. And and he's saying at some point, he said because of the increase of evil, the love of most is going to grow cold. How does our love for Jesus grow cold? Lack of investment? Other lovers? Offense. You can talk to a lot of people. They're offended. Offended with God. Offended at the church. Offended. Offense. If I allow offense, what's going to happen? Over time? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's one that comes and deals with these things. The Holy Spirit is somebody that, that brings us and draws us back into the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is one that, even if you're hard-hearted, He's saying, come, 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 come. When you're living in sin, when you're living with other lovers, the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction. Why is He bringing conviction? Because cause He knows that sin un. I'm just going to live however I want to live. What's going to happen? You're going to drift away from God. You're going to drift away from your relationship with Jesus. You're not going to love Him anymore. You're not going to spend time with Him anymore. You're not going to invest in it anymore. You're not going to... You look at the church in Ephesus where God said, I want you to, I want you to, uh, in Acts 19 and 20, Ephesians, First and Second Timothy, uh, Revelation 2, all kinds dealing with the church in Ephesus. And in the church of Ephesus, the, the, the thing that they, Paul kept writing to them and saying, stand for, the, stand for truth. Fight the good fight of faith. Stand for what's true. Go for it. In Revelation, he comes and he says, you've done a re- really good job fighting for truth but you forgot what it was really all about. He says, remember the height from which you've fallen. Remember, come back to your first love. Revelation 3, he's talking to the church in Sardis. He's talking to the church in Sardis. He says, you've got the, the appearance of being full of life and full of, but really you're dead. When we're living in a place of hard-heartedness, we, can, we get really good at playing the game. We get really good at coming to church, doing our duty, doing our thing. We get really good at doing ministry, being busy. We get really good at life stuff. The Holy Spirit is the one always drawing us back to the heart of God. Holy Spirit's the one saying, deal with the sin. Deal with the sin because it's pulling you away from Jesus. Holy Spirit's the one saying, God's not the one that rejected you. Holy Spirit's the one saying, 
Here's Jesus. Look at the beauty of Jesus. Holy Spirit's the one saying, Now, if I'm drawn into by the Holy Spirit into the heart of God, what does that do for my prayer life? If I'm praying out of my own strength and praying out of my own flesh or praying out of my own desire and praying out of my own, that gets exhausting real quick. When I have the Holy Spirit involved and the Holy Spirit allows to pray through me and the Holy Spirit allows, the Holy Spirit is, the reason I'm talking so much about the Holy Spirit is because without the Holy Spirit, your prayer life is going to, ugh, it's dry. You want to live in a place where you're just doing it out of duty and I've got to do it because I have to or got to do it? I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to draw me into the heart of God. I need the Holy Spirit to draw me back to Him. I need the Holy Spirit to say, this is your Father. Luke, Luke 11 talks about how many of you good fathers know how to give good gifts. If you ask for something, you ask for a uh, you ask for a piece of bread, I'm not going to give you a, what, what is it? Stone. I'm not going to give you something that's not beneficial. Anyways, he says, I'm, you ask for a fish, I'm not going to give you a snake. Ask for an egg, I'm not going to give you a scorpion. You ask for the Holy Spirit, he, he's, he, that, that whole passage is tied into asking for the Holy Spirit. You ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give you something that's dangerous for you. Dangerous for the enemy. You ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you something that's good. You ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you something that's going to transform the world around you. You ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm going to take your heart of stone, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Ask me for the Holy Spirit, I'm going I'm I'm to start breaking that heart of stone off. Well, really, we spend time with people, when we get to invest in people, when we get to, get to know people, really, this, this is more of the picture that I get. is more of an eggshell heart. Because really, inside, there's a lot of mush. Inside, there's a lot of tenderness. Inside, there's a lot of... It's, it's the things we put up in our, in our life and in our walls and our... So worship team, come on. We just can we just be still for a moment?
Some of you are here and you've been living in a place of hard-heartedness. The Holy Spirit is here this morning and He's wooing you. He's saying, come. I want to set your heart on fire again. I want your relationship with Jesus to be on fire again. Some of you here this morning, you've let other lovers come into your life. Some of you here, you've stopped investing in the relationship. Some of you here, you've been wounded by church people. You've been living in a place of offense. call this morning, the call this morning is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saying, I want, come have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you, you, you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do this morning. That you would convict the world of sin. That you would convict our heart of sin, God. That you would convict our, our heart from not living in a place on fire for you. Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you stir hunger in us? Stir hunger in us. And you're seeing the beauty of Jesus. God, I pray that you would give, give us revelation this week. Give us revelation this week. The beauty of Jesus. God, that this week, throughout the week, we'd have moments where we say, there you are, Jesus. There you are, Jesus. Pray that you would continue to draw our hearts to you. Continue to draw our hearts. Draw our hearts to you, God. Jesus, I pray that for each one in this congregation. Those that are here and those that are on their way home, even those, those that are whatever state they were here with, God, I pray that there would be moments of, there you are, Jesus. God, I pray that even when we're not looking for it, There'll be moments of you breaking the hardness of heart in our own life. God, I pray your blessing on each one. 
Lord, that we would be ones that, because we've been drawn by the Holy Spirit into who Jesus is and have revelation of who Jesus is, we could take that to somebody else. Jesus, we pray for this season of prayer. God, even as we go deeper in prayer and go deeper into relationship with you, God, there will be something in us that's, that, that longs to be with you, that longs to be with your people, that longs to be, I, I just got to go to church and sit with Jesus. I just got to go be with him. I just got to go stare at the beauty of Jesus.